Well, hello there. Richard Tubb back again with another interview, and I'm joined today by a very good friend of mine. Josh Weist is the founder, president, and CIO of LA Creative Technologies, a progressive MSP serving businesses in Los Angeles, California. Josh has over a decade of experience in the technology and entrepreneurial world with a deep understanding of art and the creative sector. This allows him to design digital strategies that connect industries and empower companies to overcome the demands that come along with business growth. Over the last decade, he's created products that offer a human-centered approach to digital infrastructure implementation. Josh, what a pleasure it is. Welcome to Top Talk. Hey, thanks so much. It's a real pleasure to be here, Richard. I think we've, so, been, I think we've been bouncing back and forth to do this for a year or so, so I'm excited. We have. You're a, you're a popular man, it's got to be said. And um, thank you for getting up early over there in Los Angeles. So what time in the morning is it for you? Uh, it's actually only 8.40 now. 8.40, but, but you're, a night, you're a night owl, right? For reasons we'll talk about later. But uh, <laughs> So it's, uh, I appreciate you getting up early to join us, mate. So we've been friends for a little while now. So I, I know about your background, where you've come from, the sort of experience you've got in the industry. But for anybody who's unfamiliar with uh, what Josh Weiss does or what LA Creative does, tell us more about your journey to this point. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is tell you it's Josh Weiss. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Do you want? Not do you want the first to... time that happened, but but hey, yeah, <laughs> LA, Creative, LA Creative Technologies. I started the company uh, about a decade ago. Been a been a pure play MSP for about five years now. MSP and you know strictly fixed fee project work, just helping to get uh, you know projects done for people. Um, we've focused on the creative and uh, passion-driven spaces. So we've shied away from the sort of accounting and, and banking and, and medical industries just because there's so many people competing for those same clients. Um, and as my own background stretching, out, stretching back around 20 years is in uh, nonprofit radio and music and DJing, so much of my, of my social world has been people who are creatives and artists and things like that. So as my business has progressed, we have worked pretty much exclusively with people who, who share that. Um, and so whether I've been doing, you know, volunteer work in radio stations or uh, helping, helping startups or working with companies who are, uh, who are producing concert events, everything that I've done has been to work within the, the cultures that I'm familiar with and, and the scenes that I'm familiar with. And so as my business has grown, um, that that's been the constant that the people that I work with are a little bit different than, than the people that most MSPs are working with. Um, and I guess as the business has grown, I've always been uh, very connected with, with consultants and coaches and, and people like yourself and, and people like the tech tribe. And I've really always just uh, striven to, to really leverage all the resources that are out there in the MSP community to build uh, a really fun MSP and one that is a lot more mature than most my size. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you've built yourself a great reputation amongst your peers as somebody who sort of shares openly and honestly uh, the knowledge. So we, we thank you for that. And apologies, how long have we known each other? And I've been calling you Josh Weiss for all this time and I've got your surname wrong. And coming from somebody who gets called Richard Tubbs all the time that drives me up the wall, I apologize for that, mate. <laughs> no worries at all. No worries at all. I mean, yeah. We probably have known each other about three years now. Yeah, I was trying to think where we first met. Uh, so I remember the first time I met you in person was probably at Continuum Navigate in Boston. Would that be right? Continuum Navigate 2018, Carl Halchuk's Hotel Room. <laughs> well, there we go, and that, that's a, that's a story for a completely different Ooh. podcast, isn't it? We'll we'll leave that one there. But there we go. But uh, let, let's get back to LA um, Creative. Um, the type of clients that you work with. So whenever I speak to other MSPs and I'm looking for a good example of somebody who has found their niche, or as you would say, your niche, um, <laughs> I always bring you up as an example because I think you've really zoomed in on the type of people that you work with. Now, you've touched upon it slightly, but perhaps we can elaborate. What are the type of clients you enjoy working with the most? That's, that's really awesome to hear, actually, because I've worked really tough on that. 
Um, you know, so, so I'll say it again. We actually, I'm, I'm just about to launch a new website, just redid all the copy. And, and we came up with the fact that LA Creative is, a, is an IT firm that works with creative and passion-driven industries. I'll say that again, because, you know, as it started out and, and, and it was mostly focused on the network that I knew through DJing and through being a creative, I was thinking, is, is it music? Is it entrepreneurial? Is it startup? How do we encapsulate that? And by saying creative and passion driven, it kind of, it, it leaves a lot of space on the one hand, but also someone who is not that is going to immediately know they're not that, right? Like if you're running an accounting firm and you don't really value creatives, that's going to make no sense to you. And so what that looks like in practice for us, it looks like architects who are doing a lot of designing. And so, you know, on the one hand, you know, architects and engineers could be very stodgy, but, but they're building the built world that we live in. It's their imagination that is deciding which types of plants are outside the window that I'm sitting next to right now. It's their imagination that is defining the public spaces that we're all walking through. Um, so we've got people who are, who are producing music events. Uh, one thing that's been really interesting that I've been been working on for the last year or so is the cannabis industry. Um, and, you know, for, for one way or another, I've been familiar with that industry for a lot of years. And it's, it's interesting to be able that, you know, now I'm in a city where it's legal, right? You walk out the door and buy it and you've got giant, you know, hundred million dollar uh, companies in Los Angeles who are working in that space. And so by, by being creative and passion driven, it opens the world on, on opens things up on the one hand for culture and for art, but it also opens up, you know, cannabis, which is definitely going to be sort of, you know, this is a world that was illegal two years ago and now it's legal here in Los Angeles. And so that niche for me, it just came down to people that I'm comfortable with. You know, I'm not really a suit and tie kind of guy. And so it's going to be harder for me to walk into a utility company and sell services than for me to really take that niche where I don't have to be a different person by day and by night. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll leave one story here. The very first MSP sale that I ever did, I was woefully unprepared for the whole thing. I walked in with this MSP contract template and I didn't know how to sell. I didn't know how to story sell. I didn't know how to do anything. And they ended up really, really liking me and, and signing me up without really asking all the due diligence questions, just, just based on sort of personality, I think, and, and, and integrity. But the previous provider of that company, he researched me, and I know we're going to get to this later in the interview, but he researched me and found out that I'm involved in, in nightlife and DJ. And he tried to throw me under the bus with this client by saying, hey, do you realize this IT provider you're going to hire is, is also a DJ? right? He didn't realize that that client was on the board of directors of a radio station, right? <laughs> Those are the people that I can sell to without having to, having to hard sell. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, if you tell someone who loves music, do you realize this guy is, is a DJ? They're going to say, great, he's hired. And, and, and so that's my advice for people who are niching up, right? It's like, make it easy. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of, a couple of, sort of observations that jump out there the first one we've got to tackle this because here in Europe or in the UK certainly the the cannabinoid uh, industry and the rise of the cannabinoid MSP it is not a thing yet <laughs> for obvious reasons you know so I'm fascinated that I was chatting to uh, Harry Brailsford who has wrote a book upon the uh, on the, the cannabis MSPs and that that is something that's you know that, that the world is changing and that's something that's going to um, it's going to come to all, all corners of the world cultural um, allowance is given for that though well and you know Harry has an online conference that I'm going to be speaking at in, in a couple months. So, you know, whether, and I know that this, this podcast is going to last longer than a couple months, but you know, whether or not it's happened yet, if you guys look up Harry Brelsford, he, he has an, a conference called Answers, which takes place in 2020, in which I'm speaking at, where we're really describing that market to MSPs all over the world. 
Yeah, I mean, Harry is one of the um, one of the foundations of the MSP industry. Somebody I've learned an awful lot from, and, and glad to call friends. So, for anybody who's unfamiliar with Harry's uh, work, we will include that in the show notes. But just do a search on uh, Harry H A R R Y Brailsford B R E L S F O R D, and seek out all of his work and 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 the work that he's doing on uh, cannabinoid MSPs as well. If you are intrigued, second observation, and I think you are so smart with this. The reason that I mention you. Um, you know, as a as a role model to other MSPs who are seeking out their niche is the niche that you've got. It could actually be considered quite broad, but it's to do with the mindset, isn't it? It's not, you know, hey, we're working with accountants or we're working with, um, you know, solicitors or whatever. It's to do with the mindset. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. The type of people that you work with. How do you know who's not a good fit for you, Josh? I would know that you're not a good fit. I mean, I mean, the litmus test is, do I have to pretend to be somebody that I'm not to be able to work with you, right? I mean, we're such a human-focused company, right? And I think in a lot of ways, that is where IT is headed, is that everyone is, people are working from home, people are working from all over the world, people are, people require more and more and more flexibility, right? And so you have these stodgy firms who, who could never imagine letting people work from home. You have these stodgy firms where people have to be very sort of buttoned up. I mean, in some sense, I know because I don't have a single client where I walk in and people are wearing a tie. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that can be a litmus test. If I walk in and everybody is wearing a suit and tie, like we're probably not going to get along because I'm going to walk in wearing my blazer and my T-shirt untucked. Right. I mean, it's 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 it's. In that cultural sense. Um, so that's one thing. And I mean, there's another interesting thing. It's almost like we have this millennial aesthetic, which is permeating the world for better or worse right now. But these are the companies who are usually drawn to working with us because our whole branding material it, is sort of based upon what's happening outside in, in the culture right now. Right. So, you know, on another sense, you're also not a good fit in a more strictly MSP sense, if you are a low tech company, if you're a low maturity company, right? I mean, because we're not going to work with you if you don't, if you can't value spending some thousands of dollars a month on IT from a business perspective, we're also not going to get along. Right. I mean, I just, we're, we're prospecting a client right now and, and it's kind of amazing looking at how people can be like these, this client was selected to design some sort of nationally recognized spaces for the United States, but we're looking at their infrastructure and, and, you know, they scored like a 10 out of a hundred on our sort of metric that we use for scoring a client's technology. And so that client will only be a fit for us if they agree to get themselves up to a 70 or 80 you know, on our stack. So, you know, it's not great that you're this far down, but we will work with you if you essentially accept we're going to take you from here all the way to here. But if you want to be here, you're also a bad fit. So it's not just culture. You do have to have the money and the mindset to either already be mature technologically or, or to know that you're going to get there at the beginning of working with us. Yeah. So we define this cultural mindset of the niche, which basically means I know how to get along with you and I don't have to change my company's uh, culture to work with you. But at the same time, we are a, you know, we're a boutique firm and we don't charge the cheapest rates. Right. So in that culture, there's some people who think, great, we're all on Google Drive. We're all creatives. We don't need any help. Have fun. Right. So so you still have to have a business. You still have to have a business mindset. You still have to understand that by us coming in, we're going to train your team on cybersecurity. We're going to do all this stuff. So by being creative and fun, it doesn't mean you're not professional. Right. Yeah. And that's that's a really important piece of the whole thing. Yeah. I think that what you've just said is absolute gold for any MSP who has not yet found their niche because I work with so many MSPs who say, hey, um, we know about this industry. We get along with these people. That's going to be our niche. And I say, well, can they pay you for this? Because you're going to need paying. And they go, oh, yeah, they're not so good and they don't really have budgets. And I say, not the niche for you. 
you know, you've got to find a niche where you can speak their language, you get along with them, you know the technology, but they've got the budget to work with you as well. Exactly. And then, you know, one, one thing that we've found that's been helpful is, is nonprofits who have grant funding, right? Because they have a budget. I mean, they may not have the same budget that a gigantic fast growth firm is going to have, but they have a standard and stable budget. And that's one way, like an arts nonprofit, because they have some sort of endowment, which is coming to them. Right. And so in that sense, even if we offer a 5% discount because they're a nonprofit or whatever it is, or do some sort of in-kind sponsorship where they, they promote us and we give them a small discount, nonetheless, they're not 100% donor-funded scrambling to make the bills. They're a creative, but they've got some multi-million dollar endowment, which makes sure that they function. And that's yeah. one creative way to find it. I love it. I want to pick up on something you said uh, a couple of minutes ago about the technology stack that your clients use, and you scored them on that. Would you mind digging in and, and sharing with uh, those listening a little bit more about how that works? Sure. So I've, uh, I've, been, I've been connected with a company called Managed Services Platform. They used to be called Reframe Your Clients. Um, I was client number 50 of theirs. I think they have like 3,000 users yeah. now. That's uh, Dinesh and the team over there, yeah? That's Dinesh and the team. And, you know, they're, they're now connected with TAG, uh, the TAG Consultancy Group, and with HTG, IT Nation Evolve guys. All that content lives on their platform. They're, 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 I do credit them with helping me kind of understand how to grow this business in a more unique way since I've been with them about six years now. Um, and what they have that I've found very helpful, uh, I know other, other people also offer this. I find their offering to be the most unique and, and helpful is we have all types of audits, which we can run on that platform. And so we have an audit that we can run from a 10,000 square foot view, which is sort of a strategic overview of a company, sort of how are you handling your infrastructure? How are you handling your software? How are you handling your security? How are you handling your strategy? There's these four major buckets. And that's generally what I'll take into a sales meeting. Again, this company yesterday that I was talking about scored like an 18 out of 100 on their overall strategic vision for the company. Um, then we have one that we call a technology stack audit, which just goes down only in the infrastructure, only in the nuts and bolts, right? So we can come in in, in 10 minutes, and we can go boom, 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 boom. And I can say, look, right now you've got a 23. I'd like to get you up to an 81, which is going to involve having a redundant internet circuit and not just one, right? It's going to be, you don't have Office 2010 still on your computers. You have an Office 365 subscription, right? It's, so we can kind of talk about the boring nuts and bolts that only the tactical people in the company care about. Or we can sit down with the executive and we can run a report that says, do you know how technology can augment your company, right? Are you sitting down? Everyone says they offer QBRs, but even if you only sit down twice a year with your MSP, are they talking your language? Are they speaking to you? And so by it, it essentially taught me to lead meetings, right? And that's where if anyone is struggling with that, how do I... How do I present information in a way that someone wants to hear it? How do I leave them with a deliverable that doesn't require spending 10 hours to create it? That's the type of thing that they've really helped with. Um, and so as I've built out my stack, I can keep customizing those reports. And it allows, you know, it just allows like people want to see a number. People want to understand a metric. Um, we're even working on a project right now in that same vein where we're doing like a digital transformation metric. Right, taking that enterprise level concept of digital transformation, how does that apply to any business? Because we're all digitally transforming, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's how I've been able, as I've built out my stack, to keep track of kind of how clients are doing and, and to have a way of showing them in a real sense how they're doing. Makes sense. And we'll include all of the details of these tools that you're talking about in the show notes for this podcast. So go across to the blog and listen to that because Josh, we're about to dive into the weeds here. We're about to talk a lot about the tools. I know this is one of your favorite topics, but what does the LA Creative MSP stack look like at the moment? The, the PSA, the RMM, the tools that you use to serve your clients, what does that look like? 
Well, I started uh, <clears throat> when I first built out the MSP. The two pieces that I put in place first are the ones that I still have now. So our PSA is, is ConnectWise, um, which I built out with the help of C-level operations coaching. Um, and Continuum. Continuum is really the, the magic that makes the company run in a lot of ways. Continuum is our, <laughs> it's our biggest bill every month. Um, and, you know, and continuum is magic because it's not just a, a tool stack. Continuum is more of a business model um, because we work with every single team that they offer help desk, security operations center, network operations center. Um, right. The, it just keeps going. They just keep adding. I even have a full time dedicated technician in Mumbai, India, who is on the clock as we speak right now with me. Um, I just had to turn off Slack so he didn't bug me, but he's, you know. He's <laughs> and that moment. person, Josh, show us interrupt, does that, that person comes through Continuum then? He is a Continuum contracted employee, costs a little less than 3,000 US dollars a month. Um, and he is, he's essentially, you know, he goes through a very basic training program with Continuum. He had actually worked with them for about five years before I hired him in, a, in sort of a lower level position. And he's essentially our employee. Mm. Um, and so it's sort of a combination, you know, as we'll talk about later, I have a, you know, a VA who works for me directly, but he is a continuum employee. We pay continuum, they pay him. And what's nice about it is because he has access to passwords and he has access to a lot of things that I would not give to my virtual assistant. He's in a secure environment. He is sort of working under continuum security protocols. You know, he doesn't even have admin access on his desktop. Like he is a, so it, it gives, it's a way to build out a full-time role in the company to do things that most MSPs just don't have time to do at a rate that's actually affordable. So yeah. ConnectWise, Continuum as an RMM and automation platform and security platform, but also as a people platform. Um, beyond that, we're an Office 365 company, you know, for our email, contacts, calendars, et cetera. We use Slack for our internal communications. Um, we're, uh, you know, since you and I are so close with Avic, you know, Avic is definitely our network manager of choice. And, you know, I use that to keep track of a company who has you know, 20 plus offices and kind of look at just how their whole environment looks at a glance. Um, you know, I mean, let's see what else is there. I find managed services platform to be a very important part of our experience because it helps us manage account management and sales management process. Um, so those are, those are the high level pieces that we use. You know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in the last 18 months as have many building out, building out the security stack. Right. And so again, I've, I've leveraged Continuum to start that out. And a lot of the security tools and process that they offer come through Continuum. Um, for anyone who does not know uh, Breach Secure Now slash PII Protect, they're an incredible, very, very cheap way that you can educate your clients. Sort of, it, it helps you have a security offering where you can run your phishing tests. You can show people their security audits. It sort of gives you one place where you can pull out a lot of what you need, even if without a very formal security, uh, uh, what shall we say, sort of program in place, anything you need, you can pull right out of there. You can, clients need their, their policies and templates and somewhere to store them, somewhere to show an auditor that, look, we do have this stuff in a centralized place. That's one of the tools that I think is not so well known that you get a tremendous amount of value for not a lot of money, um, including crazy amounts of marketing collateral every week, social media posts, videos, Instagrams, Facebooks, which ID agent does the same. I tend to like uh, BSN more, but you know, the, the people who are running these security program uh, services now, they tend to give you a lot of marketing to go along with it as well. And, and so those are, those are the major, major pieces of our stack, I would say. Yeah. Um, and Very good. You know, there's a lot more we can, you know, maybe we'll, maybe we'll take a screenshot of my diagram as it is in 2020. <laughs> Would love, I'd love that. And that we'll actually, we'll talk about that a little bit more. And um, I, and again, we'll include all the details in the show notes. Josh, I gave Gudrun, who is the young lady on my team who does the show notes for these podcasts. I gave her a heads up. I was like, this is not going to be an easy podcast for you to just... <laughs> 
<laughs> sit back in. There's going to be a lot of show notes here. So for anybody wondering, you know, listening to this and thinking, wow, there was a lot of tools mentioned there. Please, please, please go to the show notes. Want to pick up on one thing you uh, said there, though. As a Microsoft shop, why Slack instead of Microsoft Teams? You know, I've gone back and forth with that a lot. And one of the reasons, because we were using Slack long before Teams really became an option. Uh, one of the reasons is because I see there's there's two camps in terms of uh, the shared channels that people come up with. And I find because of the space where I landed, this creative space, no one uses Teams. Mm-hmm. So I have multiple clients who are on Slack where we can sort of create our our channels and we can talk to each other. And so that's one of them, right? It's just that a lot of the people who offer these shared channel experiences or just our clients, they're using Slack. So we're missing out on this integration point that I think about a lot and it sort of gives me pause, like I should probably get this integration altogether. Um, But that's the thing that's kept me is that there's no one I really need to collaborate with who's on Teams and everyone I need to collaborate with is on Slack. But the other one is because Teams is buggy. I find teams constantly can't connect. I mean, even the vendors who I've watched say, you know what, we're not going to use Zoom anymore. We're going to use Teams because that's what we have. The audio doesn't work. The call doesn't connect. It it takes more steps to log in. Like Zoom, you click the link and you're in. Teams, you click the link. Wait, even though I'm logged into Office 365 across my entire computer and I've got Outlook logged in, Word logged in, I'm logged in in my browser, when I click a Teams link, now I redirect to a web page where I'm asked to log in. Wait, what do you, oh, it's like, I'm already logged in. And I, <laughs> it's like Microsoft is, and I find Zoom and Slack, they've made them to be these super seamless experiences. Whereas Teams is wrapped up more around a concept of like, hey, you know what? We're a thousand person enterprise. We have to be compliant. We're going to force everyone to follow these very strict rules. That's what Teams is for. And as I've told you guys at the beginning of this interview, that's not our company. And so while on the one hand, I kind of wish I could rip out, I use Dropbox too. I wish I could rip out Dropbox and all these tools and be a fully Microsoft shop, I don't find them to be as flexible. Yeah. And, and I find the same with our clients. If I were to say to them, we're going to use SharePoint, they would look at me like I was insane. <laughs> that makes and, absolute sense, yeah. And, and if you actually look at, you know, just on that same token, if you look at how Dropbox, and, you know, they seem to be one of the only unicorns which continues to do well in the market. Dropbox has said, you know what? We're a creative company. We cannot compete with SharePoint. So instead, Dropbox has brought in the features of WeTransfer, where you can now send someone a transfer link. And they've redone their entire branding to be creative. And they've almost, they're for the space that I focus on. And so while I consistently think, wow, there's this really interesting piece, and it's certainly easier to control having this one environment. I think you lose a lot in terms of the usability and you lose a lot in terms of what people are actually used to. Yeah. And so that's how we've ended up on, on Slack, Zoom, Dropbox instead of all office. Makes absolute sense. The, the advice I always give to uh, MSPs, Josh, is to eat your own dog food, drink your own champagne, as they would say in France, which is you use the tools that your clients use. So the advice I give to most MSPs I speak to is absolutely, you should be introducing your clients to Microsoft Teams. You should be working with Teams as a Microsoft shop. But you've come from a background where people are already using Slack or already using Dropbox or already using Zoom. So absolutely embrace that technology. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, well, I mean that, and just to end that, it's mm. also my own personal experience. Is I watch people clunkily struggle with this stuff. And I mean, I watch one of my vendors who's a big uh, marketing consultant in the space. They don't know how to use Teams and they've been using it for months. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I, I was going to say, I, I see from, from both sides, we use, uh, in Team Tub, we use Slack internally. And in the tech tribe, Nigel, uh, Fatima and the team, uh, we use uh, Microsoft Teams. So I'm actually sort of skirting both sides of the fence and get to see, but I absolutely prefer Slack. But I would always recommend that people use the tool that their clients are using. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Now, we mentioned earlier on your relationship with Ulvik. Uh, you spoke at Ulvik's Frankly MSP conference in Santa Barbara uh, in uh, January 2020. We got to spend some time together there. You're held in really high regard by Ulvik and so many other vendors. Continuum is another name that, that comes to mind. What would you say is the key to a good vendor relationship? Why do the vendors love you, Josh? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess, the, I guess there's two parts to it. Um, I mean, one of them is that I work, you know, I have a very small MSP. Um, and I, you know, I mean, starting out from when I was running my MSP out of my bedroom seven years ago, I caught on to the fact that I had a lot of input to give to these companies. And that traditionally, if you're not spending a ton of money with the company, they're not going to pay a lot of attention to you. And something that I realized early on was that I guess the, the small but mighty strategy, which is how can I get to know, I mean, mostly it came from frustrations. I mean, I was working with the continuum help desk when it was like 20 or 30 people. They had almost no process. They were, they just, you know, they, they were not in a good place. And so part of it was just like, I'm trying to build this business from the ground up, leveraging this resource that's not that well put together. And so I would end up escalating. I mean, I think Continuum was probably the first company I really just went to the website, looked for the leadership and emailed 20 people and said, hey, I need help. And the resources which I've been provided don't give me that help. And so I got to know the executives at Continuum early on. But, you know, they called me the canary in the coal mine. I mean, I would go a little bit nuts. I'm not necessarily, you know, thrilled with how I might have acted back in those early days. But, uh, it, I, they needed someone to show them that what they were doing wasn't working, right? And so a lot of what I've been able to do is essentially find the people who are making the product decisions and find the people who are sort of handling the, the team building decisions in their company and provide them with valuable feedback. And, you know, I think because I'm a systems thinker and, and because I've always been thinking, how do I do a lot with a very, very sort of scaled back minimal team. Um, I've been able to provide a lot of input to companies, right? And because I'm a different MSP, again, I think that that just helps people. It's like, they need to know, they need to know what their, you know, $10 million MSP clients think, but they need to know, especially if what you're offering is outsourcing, you need to know how does your micro MSP segment leverage your tools. And so I've been able to become that for a lot of companies is sort of their representative from the boutique side, or I guess as uh, as the tech tribe would call it, the uh, the nimble side. Um, and so just by providing a lot of in input and 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 something that someone told me early on, I think I was apologizing for having a little freak out about something, and and <laughs> and they said, you know, I apologized, and they said you don't have to apologize because unlike most people, you don't call us and just complain. You might complain but you have a solution. You say, I will get on a call with you and review this process. I will provide for you. This is what went wrong. This is what I think could go better. And I've actually been able to help provide a lot of uh, valuable input to these companies. Um, I mean, with Avic, I think it was similar with Avic. We were, we were leveraging the, the Sophos firewalls early on and their tool didn't work very well with Sophos firewalls. And I ended up getting to know the head of engineering at Audit because I kept saying, you guys keep saying this works and it doesn't. And so, you know, I, for a long time, I was having uh, monthly calls with the product manager at Audit. And, you know, as a result of that, Audit, I've done multiple podcast interviews, blog posts, and I essentially credit Audit with getting me the opportunity to speak at conferences. Um, because from these Audit posts, I ended up speaking at Continuum Navigate three times. I ended up speaking at the Audit conference. And so what I've gotten in return from doing all this is, A, it's just knowing the product leadership, which is always helpful. Um, I'm on the product. I'm on the product team for Continuum, which is now owned by ConnectWise, which is, you know, I, I sort of see as, as the biggest player in the space. And so it's by, by providing feedback over and over and over again. And even if I get mad occasionally, I always apologize and I always come with constructive feedback. I really say, look, here's how your peers are doing it. Here's what you might be missing because you're sort of in your own sort of bubble at your company. 
Um, and by providing that feedback and then by, you know, I'm willing to give testimonials. I always recommend people to the people I use. And so that's how I've been able to build it up. It's sort of been almost like a marketing partnership. Um, and you know, not even being about MDF so much as being about, you know, helping me to build my own personal brand as well. And sort of now I, you know, I was, I was only speaking in the MSP industry. And then because I've gotten enough experience doing that, now I'm able to speak sort of cross industry. And so those are, those are some of the things, right? It's being willing to represent from a marketing angle, being willing to give constructive feedback, um, and, and then maintaining human relationships and even just, uh, even just, uh, I say they're doing a good job when they're doing a good job. Just last night, I sent an email to the guy who runs the continuum help desk. And I said, you guys are really kicking ass right now. So it's important to remember not to just complain. <laughs> Amazing. I love that. And one of the reasons I'm such a fan of what you're building <laughs> and what you're doing is, you know, uh, this point you are a nimble MSP, and so many MSPs will say, hey, we're too small. We don't do enough business with X, Y, and Z. We will never get noticed. And you have just, uh, you've explained why you get noticed, because you add value to that relationship. Whereas the vast majority of people just ask for stuff. But it's a two-way street. The vendors, they're human beings. They want to know about these things. So, you know, you really, it's inspirational to see what you're doing and the reputation that you've built with the vendors. Well, and I'll, you know, I'll leave that particular piece with a funny comment. I have a friend who runs an MSP, which is a little larger than mine, but he said, uh, you know, this is a little not safe for work, but he said, Josh, what do you get from being a vendor slut? And it, it's <laughs> funny that, that people from the outside might look at it that way because A, I actually enjoy it. I get to participate in these much larger conversations than I would if it was just my MSP, but also there's just so much in return. And so... That's, that's absolutely. I always hear his question in my mind and I say, oh, it's not like that. Uh, and, and when I ran my own MSP business, uh, Josh, we were exactly the same in that we were a, a nimble MSP who made a lot of noise, but not necessarily, not just being a pain in the backside for vendors, giving them constructive feedback. Um, Microsoft, you know, we ended up being super partners and that transformed my MSP business, that relationship. So it's not about the size of the business that you're doing. It's about a good relationship. So keep doing what you're doing there. And I hope to see you on many more stages uh, talking about this topic as well. Let's let's move the conversation forward. You've already mentioned that you work, you're a big fan of outsourcing, you know, continuum, the help desk, the security, that type of thing. You've also mentioned virtual assistants, VAs. Tell me more about the way you work with virtual assistants. Sure. Well, I uh, actually, thanks to, uh, thanks to a man named uh, Richard Tubb, I, uh, I was, I was, uh, I, I was recommended a service called virtual staff finder, which is, uh, incredibly cheap. I mean, for, for 500 bucks, they will get you, uh, they're a recruiting agency. So they help you to design a job description. You essentially are thinking what, what are the 40 hours a week worth of tasks that I could have somebody else do? Um, who is not in, you know, physically in my office or in my city. Um, they help you come up with how much that person should be paid, how the job description should look, how to make sure you're not assigning work, which is sort of underskilled or overskilled for that position. So they basically help you write a perfect job description with the perfect pay rate, which I won't get into details, but it's a lot cheaper than you think it is for, for 40 hours in your own time zone. Um, and so what I've ended up doing, I mean, I found a real, I found a real employee. I found someone who has as much ownership as any employee I've ever had. Um, you know, does she miss work once in a blue moon because there's monsoon in, in the Philippines or something like that? Sure. But the thing I never imagined is that I've been working with this VA for about six months now. And the thing I never imagined is that she would sort of care for me personally and check in and sort of, I've been going through some, some pretty intense personal stuff lately. And she's, she always asks about me and, you know, so like, A, it's just, I mean, she's almost, she's like a friend. It's someone I can talk to, but the kind of work that she's been able to start doing for our company, she does, she does weekly collections, for example, where we basically look at all our past dues every week. She writes up the emails she sent her, you know, she sends me a Slack and says, here's what's past due. And in about 30 seconds, I can tell her, yes, 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 wait a week. 
let me do this one, boom, right? Which would have, no one was doing that in our company before. She's helped, uh, you know, true up our agreements once a month to make sure that, you know, we got the right user account on things. She, she calls vendors. She buys flowers for my girlfriend. Uh, she <laughs> uh, Should you be admitting that one publicly? Surely you take credit for that one, Josh. <laughs> I mean, the last card that we sent said from Josh and Mary. You know, it's, 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 it's incredibly sweet. Um, and, and, you know, she, you know, the clients know her. One of our clients has an accountant and the accountant is in office, but is from the Philippines. And, you know, they've started speaking in Tagalog with each other. I mean, so she's building relationships with people. And one of the things that I've always thought is very, very important if you're going to work with outsourcing is not to look at it as a disadvantage, right? I've always talked about like in my, in my sales, when I talk about the fact that we work with the continuum help desk, I don't say, well, you know, we're a pretty good company, but unfortunately we also outsource our help desk. I'm sorry. I always say we work with this great team in Pittsburgh. They're not reading off scripts. They're funny. We're on their leadership board. We, you know, they know us. No one even asks a second question. And it's the same with the VA. I don't say, well, we're a good company, but you know, you should probably know in advance that our VA works out of the Philippines and we have someone in India. It's like, no, we're a tight knit team and we help you and we get stuff done. Right. And so with our VA, you know, it's the biggest challenge is how fast can I build out my company index so that I have the tasks to send her and she knows how to do them. And, you know, how fast can she make those documents better than the quick sort of, you know, brain dump that I do. Um, but, you know, for anyone who's out there struggling with all the admin work, working with the VA and I mean, virtual staff finder, I would say makes it very, very easy to do. Um, one of the things that's cool about them is it's your employee. Like I pay her on PayPal. I'm not paying this agency who's taking half the money. You make an arrangement with this person. You pay them directly. Um, and, you know, in the case of my VA, she worked for Accenture for a year before she worked with us. So she, she understands project management. She understands IT. And, you know, is it an everyday struggle to get it right? Of course. But... You know, it's the same with my employees in my office. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a, as much. massive. I'm a massive fan of uh, virtual assistants. That you know, Team Tub that I referred to earlier. Um, uh, everybody's located in the UK, but. Um, you know, the virtual staff finder uh, from Chris Ducker, who wrote the brilliant book, uh, Virtual Freedom, that I know you're a fan of as well. And again, we'll include that in the show notes and, and links to that. Uh, but really opened my eyes to this after I sold my MSP business. I went solely down the virtual assistant route. And to this day, I absolutely swear by it. So great to see you. You're absolutely thriving with it. Yeah, yeah. it's super yeah. fun. Yeah. So... One of the things that you mentioned earlier, I cannot leave this interview without touching upon this, is you mentioned uh, uh, the fact that you're also a superstar DJ. <laughs> tell us tell us more about that. We've got to know about it. Yeah. I mean, superstar might be a bit of a, an, an overstatement, <laughs> but, you know, that has been a very important uh, part of my life. I'm 38 now. I started... I started uh, DJing when I was 18. So this is, this is 20 years. This is more than half of my life that I've been involved in that world, uh, which has looked like radio DJing, which has looked like uh, DJing at parties. And, and about a decade ago, I was the co-founder, was and co-founder of a group called uh, Subsuelo, which means underground in Spanish. Um, and we are a Latin leaning, but, but sort of Afro, Afro Latin Caribbean global music arts collective. Um, and so me, myself in 2020, that looks like playing house music, which has a very organic sort of Afro Latin uh, Caribbean influence. Um, my, my, my peers in the group, one of them is a flamenco dancer. Uh, one of them is playing, you know, that we have a, we have a, once a week, every Sunday event in Los Angeles, which has happened for the last three years. Um, there are some interesting reasons that might go on pause in 2020 that I'll leave out. But, you know, we we've really become, you know, in, in terms of in every city in the world, this sort of scene exists. You have your you have your primary sort of top 40 hip hop club music. And in every city, there is more of a sort of 
rootsy, funk, reggae, soul, hip hop, Latin, salsa, global music scene. And in LA, we are the one at this point that has really been able to last and stay around the longest um, because these things are hard to do. It's hard to keep a group, sort of an informal group of, of musicians together. Um, and at this point, we've played at civic events on City Hall Lawn. We've played at you know music festival main stages. We've played all types of bars and restaurants and clubs and warehouse parties and weddings and sort of the whole enchilada. Um, and it's been, you know, I mean, it really is where I learned to, to hustle in, in the sense of doing business. And so me personally, I don't make my living doing it, though many of my friends do. Um, but it's been such an important part of the world that I'm part of and it really, you know, it really has represented my, my social scene and sort of, you know, it made going out about more than, than, than just drinking. It made it sort of, you know, it's about kind of, it's about organization and, you know, kind of bringing people together. And, you know, as, as a, I think I learned a lot of leadership qualities from that. And I've just found it to be so important to kind of how I've learned to, to structure my life in a sense. Um, when I was about a decade ago, before I started my business, I lived in Guatemala for a year. Um, I had sort of quit my radio station job and moved to Guatemala. And that was, that was really my year that I had to both sort of look at how to live a life in a sense. And I was able to DJ there, uh, you know, a couple times a week. And I also was volunteering and teaching computer classes. And so it sort of became the life that I, that I put together now, but that having something to be able to go to another country and say, I have this, I know how to do this. And literally I can bring people together. That's the thing that I love the most is the ability to, we can do a event which brings people together, right? It gives people sort of a, a reason to congregate, it gives people a space, which is not a sort of top 40 club where they can go and they can feel comfortable and they can feel safe. Right. And so I love the music. Um, I love playing the music and I love the ability to sort of organize community. Um, and those two have just been such an important part of what I've done over my, over my years. Very cool. And I saw you DJ at the, in Santa Barbara at uh, the Ritz Carlton for, yes. uh, the frankly, I must be, I hear Kevin Costner. I thought you were awesome, mate. So. Kevin Costner. Kevin customers down, down the way from us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, before we, uh, before we leave, I know you've got to, you've got to head off and uh, start your day there in Los Angeles. One yeah. of the things I wanted to touch upon is I see you being uh, as an individual uh, and for your DJ side of things as well, being very active on Instagram uh, to yeah. promote yourself. But I also see LA Creative Technologies being very active on Instagram. And yeah. you're one of the very few MSPs I know who's actively using Instagram to uh, promote your business. How are you finding Insta as a business tool? Uh, I can't say I have any direct business results yet. Um, I mean, there's something interesting since we've talked about outsourcing a lot. I've currently been outsourcing the LA Creative Instagram posts which is on the one hand, it's awesome because the content just comes day after day after day. Um, I, I think that what, what one needs to do, like let's say one wants to outsource their Instagram posting, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll throw one more resource in for the road. It's called Social Bee, as in a bee sting. Social Bee, they get all these posts made that you see every day, Richard. But I think for anyone who wants to outsource their social, the key that, that I've been missing a little and that I'm going to start getting actually on top of uh, this week, actually, it's in, our, it's in our top of our list for this week. If you're going to put up standard posts every day, you got to break them up with you. You need to break them up with personality. So whether it's the owner or whether it's an employee, I have an employee who has a wonderful, wonderful demeanor for social Then I'm going to have him do it too. The trick would be to, what I've been able to do now is have someone like you notice that we're consistent, right? Which I think is almost the first thing before you even spend your time and effort on putting a bunch of content on social, build a consistent posting rhythm, which is now what we've done over the last couple of months then you want to break it up with actually you because that's really what draws people in. Right. But if they see that you're there, but that is interspersed with a lot of consistent content, I think that's really where you get the value. I mean, cause in a perfect world, you might post every day consistently in a personal way, 
but you don't necessarily have to do that. Post yourself consistently once or twice a week and build the consistency. And I can tell you with social B, you can have a consistent everyday posting schedule for less than 200 bucks a month. Wow. So very cool. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Where can people find you on Instagram? Uh, we are, or I am DJ G O Z A R L A DJ Gozar L A and L A Creative Tech. Fantastic. We'll include that in the show notes. And I guess that's a good point as well to ask that I know there's going to be people listening to this who are blown away by the the value you give them, blown away by the information that you've shared, and want to continue the conversation with you, Josh. How can they get in touch with you? What's the most convenient way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, we can we can put my email address in the show notes. Uh, yeah, Josh at LACreativeTechnologies.com. I, you know, I think from my first uh, my, my first podcast I did on Avic about just the fact that you know the best way to excuse me the, the best way to get to know people is to offer help. So if anyone Absolutely. has any questions, I don't promise to respond right away, but send me an email and I will certainly I will certainly get back to you because I really like the community. And also for anyone who's a tech triber, send me a send me a post on the tribe. Fantastic. Well, we love you being a part of the Tech Tribe. We really do. And, you know, I'm a big fan of everything that you do on for the channel as a, as a global community. You share so freely your time and knowledge. So let me be the first to say thank you for that. Really appreciate it. And thanks for your time today, mate. It's been a long time coming, but we finally pinned down a date and got you on the podcast. And uh, it's been absolutely awesome. Will you come back in, say, a year or so and tell us where your MSP stack has moved on from? Let's do it. <laughs> cool. Josh, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Richard. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.